Ghosts are horny. Ookie. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Mally. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Getting real literal with our check-in today, talking about our favorite fairy tales. How about that? Oh, yeah. The first Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year. Yes, indeed. Indeed. The second year we've been recording. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. I don't think it's quite yet our our one-year anniversary. I think that's in a a month or so of when we started recording anyway. But number-wise, we hit a new year. Yay. And we're like as old as a full-term pregnancy now. That's exciting. Older even. Older, yeah. (laughs) We're a newborn. (laughs) We're out of the womb, baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really like talking about this either. Like pregnancy (laughs) stuff was like a big squick. So anyway, Jordan, tell me about your favorite fairy tale. Ooh, I've always had a little bit of an interest in fairy tales because, so my last name's Grimm. I had one brother growing up, so people would always call us the Brothers Grimm. Same spelling and everything. Same spelling, yes. I don't know if it was my favorite as a childhood, but my favorite is definitely the Pied Piper of Hamelin, just because it's like based on the true literal story of 130 children that just fucking disappeared. And they decided to make it into a fairy tale. And the fairy tale is not much better. So I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's just about like a guy who came through, played his funky music white boy, and 130 <laughs> children just trotted along. I think he like oh, let no. them into a river and drowned them. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so Supernatural is like not that far off base with like the grim fairy tales. Oh, no. <laughs> what about you, Allie? I was always obsessed with weird fairy tales. I used to read them to my sisters so they'd fall asleep. My sister is five years older. I don't know how I got that job. But as a kid, I was obsessed with the weird ones, which is obviously Rubhole Stiltskin and Sleepy Hollow. And good choices. We had we had like this like three foot high book of Sleepy Hollow that would scare me so much I'd have nightmares and I'd have to keep it behind my bookcase because I was so afraid of it but when I was feeling extra brave I would get it out and read and then have nightmares for another month what about you Jasper wow I love that you scared yourself on purpose for fun (laughs) I feel like that's super on brand yeah I had this really beautiful illustrated fairy tale book I don't know if it was Hans Christian Andersen feel like it might have had the little mermaid in it that was never one of my favorites but yeah it had the freakier version of snow white which i liked 
But I think my favorite was Rapunzel. I really liked that one. I don't know. Something about the isolation and like the grief and the orphaning and the theft. I, I also liked Rumpelstiltskin a lot too. There were some really good drawings for that. And I love how that story draws on real traditional name magic. That's the good stuff. That is pretty good. good. That, that is a book of Grimm's Brothers stories. All of those you named. Oh, damn. Okay. I'll have to double check Little Mermaid, but every other one is. I think Little so. Mermaid is definitely Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. So I might just be mixing up two different books in my head. Mm. But I really liked Rapunzel. I, love, I don't know. I think there's just something like it just compelled me. <laughs> <laughs> it just compelled me. Well, without further ado, today's episode is season three, episode five, Bedtime Stories, the one where the prince remains a frog. This episode was written by Catherine Humphreys and directed by Mike Roll and originally aired on November 1st, 2007. So today, for the first time ever, we have a guest. I'm really excited to welcome to the show Ben Francis, former WGA by way of Canada, Local 348, Platinum 3 in Rainbow Six Siege, and my dear, dear friend of 15 years, 16 actually oh 2022 oh my god oh yeah happy first on the road of 2022 yes that's me i'm ben francis nice yes thank you for having me on today i really appreciate yeah it. yeah thank you what a special new year's surprise would you like to introduce yourself tell us a little bit about like your background that yeah that's kind of a, a big question i guess like I spent uh, the majority of my childhood bouncing between sets with my aunt and my mom and that side of the family. So I have like a long history of video production and like Mm -hmm. film production and TV production. And I spent a lot of time doing that. And then the pandemic happened. And then I started doing different kinds of work in the meantime. But this is a this is one of those marvelous opportunities for a different kind of uh, pursuit. I've listened to a few episodes of On the Road. I've watched a few episodes of Supernatural. I don't think I'm going to be as fluent as some of our delightful hosts, but I will, I will, <laughs> I will keep up just fine. Yeah. You know, Jordan is a first time mm-hmm. viewer themselves. So, and like, honestly, as fun as this show can be, it's not always the most complicated. And you know what? On top of that, this is like a classic monster of the week episode. So like, don't even trip dog. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get this one out the gate. It's just like a something that immediately charmed me about this episode. Yeah. Um, that is the most American girl doll looking <laughs> yeah. coma patient I've ever seen. Yes. Oh my uh, God. She has like perfect makeup despite being in a coma for like a decade. I'm just like, right. that's how I want to be. If I'm, if I'm aging in a coma, I want to be aging like her. I want to be divine. Oh my it's God. So yeah. Funny. You mentioned that too, because I always think about the American girl doll. Cause if you go to Easton, they have in Columbus, a restaurant there. And this character's story feels like an American girl doll story. If you like, you see these cute little dolls and you'll pick up the pamphlet and it's like, little Sally Mae was in a horse riding accident and lost use of all of her limbs. She was able to crawl back to her family with her teeth throughout the woods where she was attacked by an army of bears. She made it through. They always have the craziest stories. Like read American Girl Doll stories. I used to read the books when I was a kid. Like the historical fiction children's novels. I was really into them. They're so fun. I was a Samantha girl. Always. I think I remember liking uh, Kit. I knew you would. (laughs) 
Shut up. I liked cat piss all over. <laughs> you could be saying that these are like real names and I'd be like going with it because I know so little, but I the moment I heard that like they have like tragic backstories, I perked up. So I'm I'm like in one of my windows right now, I'm Googling like American Girl Tall Perfect. Perfect. That's the vibe. But yeah, actually, my mom called me on the phone to say the same exact thing about the coma girl, Callie. (laughs) She was like, her hair is perfect. I was like, I know she's like eating her skin hair and nails gummies or something. (laughs) Like They don't even have her in a scrub top or whatever. Like she's wearing like her own clothes and like a push up bra. I'm like, girl, who are you trying to impress? (laughs) (laughs) Also, like her dad is like dressing her and stuff, too. I'm like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's very strange. It's I'm so not strange. sure about it. I'm not sure. Ben, did you have something in particular that you were bringing for us today? I tried to look at it as, okay, at, the, at this point, at season three, episode five, that's about halfway through the planned initial run of the show. As I understood it from doing background yeah. research on Eric Kripke, his plan was five seasons of story and that's all I got. I was like, then this is like the perfect midway point for like what I would see going forward or like mm-hmm. or things that, that kind of like revolved around this stage of the show or this this part or act of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see like the, the parts of the show that were in this like earlier stage of it, like fully on display, like the keeping secrets between the brothers. Again, it's like a monster case of the week. Mm-hmm. The character stuff is still developing, but like the plots, they can like pull from literary backgrounds. Like I didn't do as much digging into like the the fairy tale stuff i did appreciate that they would talk about like the inspiration inside the episode i love it when a a tv show just lets you like wink at you and like hangs the lampshade and yeah that's sort of what sam does he like hangs out and he's like i'm the person who knows things let me tell you about the stuff (laughs) (laughs) listen if dad decided this that's the other thing like i we're still like we're still thinking about dad a lot Uh, at this at this point or at least in this episode like i counted i made a dad tally they mentioned dad three times yeah they're haunted they're still haunted by the ghosts of fucking john winchester he died in the first episode of season two my god they cannot let it go (laughs) it's got it's It's been a year get over it (laughs) It's got a firm them against the world vibe right now. And I appreciate that. It's it's just like <laughs> the silliness of the episode, the silliness, at least of the episode until I guess the last like eight or so minutes, I think kind of like I was like vibing. And then I was like, right, this is a show with a longer plot line and like yeah. more important things that's going on behind the scenes. And it felt like, a, I guess you said like Monster of the Week. It did feel like an X-Files episode to me until that last eight minutes. Yeah. And I was like, this is what the rest of the season must be about. This must be like laying the foundation. Yeah, basically love that you compare it to the X-Files because it really does feel especially X-Files-y like yes. this episode in particular. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that like, because there's other episodes, most of the episodes, obviously, where they're bouncing around in their suits and whatnot to get information from people. But maybe it's the high camp of it. that makes I was it- playing feds with Paige and, and Plant. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this, this is an episode that would not be out of place as like a comedy X-Files episode. Like, right. Uh, 
I looked up the writer. The writer went on to do writing for Mad Men. She doesn't have like a, a background in this kind of series, hmm. but I think she killed it. I think it's a really good episode. Yeah. What I love about the X-Files comparison is like, we can see like the obvious, the writers being inspired by X-Files, but I could totally imagine Dean benching all of X-Files and then trying <laughs> to like recreate that in how he hunts. Oh my God. I just <laughs> yeah. totally see that. No, for sure. And like in previous episodes, he definitely has brought them up and been like yeah i'm like molder (laughs) (laughs) forget what episode that was jesus yeah he's like molder because he's a dumbass (laughs) sorry (laughs) shut the fuck up (laughs) sorry oh no don't be don't be i mean that affectionately i like to say that he relates to fox molder because molder is another chaotic bisexual himbo i was about to say like (laughs) what is it with this genre and the main characters always being bisexual bimbos like we got molder we got dean we got buffy like It's just like, yeah, I mean, it's just a thing. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's like the adjacency to like the monster fucking kink or something. Like, I feel like there's an element of chaos and bimboism that just comes along with that inherently. Oh, absolutely. Allie's looking at me like I've lost my fucking mind. <laughs> I was just so concerned you're going to be like, yeah, all bisexuals want to fuck monsters. No. <laughs> and no, I was like, no, don't put me in this boat. No, 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 Allie, I would never. I would never. Allie walks, Allie's Ben walks in the background swinging his arm like Bigfoot. And <laughs> I would never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We learn, we learn that your fiance is actually some kind of cryptid. I would have yeah, full Bigfoot suit in the back. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Got that Bigfoot junk in the trunk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, no. To support Allie, to support Allie's point, they do not kiss the frog. They they have a chance to start it, to get that going, and they they veer off of That's monsters. true. You know, I'm so sad they don't kiss the frog. What did that frog do to them? They should have kissed the frog. Yeah, what if the should've. frog was stuck like that? I what know, if that's that the better down. life, though? I'd rather live a frog life. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it does sound nice right about now. Yeah. Frogs don't have to, like, participate in capitalism. That's true. <laughs> it did have a very nice singing voice. I love that particular frog sound, so... But I'm going to guess when, I'm gonna just going to call it a spell was broken, the frog would have probably went back to being a human, just like when the guy got his cognizance back from being the big bad wolf. I hope so. I True. Huh? P- praying frog. for you, little frog man. <laughs> Live wherever you are. <laughs> I wonder if the water turned it gay. This is another thing I just tallied among like, because I watched a few of the other episodes just to like gear into this one. I tallied how many times the entire town's gone insane or a variation of that line appears in a supernatural. And it's just, oh my God, that's like, that's the other part of this like monster of the week, like formula, like this kind of thing that they're working with at the show at this time. Like, it just seems like they destroy a town and then just like fuck off the next episode. Like every time (laughs) in an entertaining way, but like. They leave nothing but trouble after they're done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like all of the legal fallout and insurance problems and day-to-day nonsense that is left in their wake. Terrifying. In that sense, they are a little bit like D&D style murder hobos where they just sort of bounce from town to town, causing chaos and destruction. Like, I mean, the town was the town perfectly functional before they got there. No, no, no. But I mean, that girl probably would have died eventually. True. I'm just saying. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> like, hmm. 
why couldn't they just get like the happiest fairy tale book you've ever seen? And then the whole town will prosper. So what you're saying is, is like, why didn't they like just read happy books to yeah. the girl? Well, probably because she was murdered with bleach. So she probably would not resonate <laughs> with those books as much. But I, mean, I love the idea of that. Like, yeah, like, what if we got, like, the novel version of, like, 21 Dresses or something and just like, yeah, read that to her? <laughs> sure. <laughs> or, like, you know what she would really connect with? Sixth Sense, because that's how the girl dies in that, too. Oh, my God. Or she was, like, fed Drano. Yeah, and they even shouted out in the episode. They talk about how it's, like, a Sixth Sense situation. You know, I think they must just, like, pick a movie that they want to reference, like, a million times per season or something, because they definitely have already referenced The Sixth Sense in the first episode of season three. And, like, what was it in season two? They kept bringing up fucking... The one all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Which one is that? Shining. The Shining. Shining. Yeah, they kept fucking bringing up The Shining last season. Yeah, that was like every other episode. Like, we get it. Your brother is psychic. (laughs) (laughs) We get it. Yeah. It does force them into a more confrontational state also. Like, the brothers are in a more, like, direct, like, source of conflict with one another as a source of conflict in the show. So, like, and that that fits The Shining because, like, the, the family is the conflict in The Shining. Like, the ghosts be vibing, but, like, the family is the the problem. You know, I hadn't thought about it in, like, a larger thematic way, because usually Dean brings up these movies, and he's just like, ha because you're psychic, and then they just move along. That's, like, the whole context, but, you know, you're right, you're right. Wow. If I used my brain for a moment, thank God you're here. No, no, I'm trying to lower this IQ. I'm not trying to... <laughs> bring this party up no way this the whole point is to go in with my brain off and my eyes open perfect perfect i'm i'm, so, I'm apologizing but i'm very sorry no don't just like the writers of supernatural brain off eyes <laughs> don't open no <laughs> oh, that's so sad the vibes are cursed <laughs> the vibes are cursed <laughs> there's a trend in this episode and it starts with like the harmless old lady quote unquote who turns out to be the the kind of i guess hansel and gretel stand in who kills ken kills ken in like the funniest way imaginable oh i ate too much pie my belly aches oh then he just dies he rocks he rocks so hard but it's it's a trend of like women having the intuition to avoid most of the problems in this episode and then guys being dudes getting everyone killed so like guys being dudes i'm ready to leave i'm ready to just go down the road i don't really need this pie and then the guy being a dude is just like let's just let's hang out we made a new friend it's like no no you didn't Uh, it's the same thing like with the the big bad wolf kind of stand-in character guy yeah like the grandma she's like uh, she's like i don't really need help with my groceries and he's like i insist like her initial read is right all the i gotta hand it to all the women yeah characters in this episode because they read the vibes of the situation whereas like all the again all the men are like literally banging their head into walls and or and it's actually something i had thought about as well is there's weirdly not only that but an inverse of violence except for against the older woman who does live the cold open is you know more typically masculine gruff men getting murdered which is not normal for this show the man gets murdered at the house and then the well i guess we have the violence against the cinderella girl but it's nothing extreme so 
Yeah, the treatment of women in this episode is very not in line with the rest of the series. So that's definitely something to note. Refreshing. Yes. Humphreys went on to win an Emmy and an WGA award for Mad Men, a series that also takes its women very seriously. So I don't I don't think it's an accident that this episode is like a flip on the script. She wrote what episodes episode did she do on uh, Mad Men? She wrote one with Marty Noxon, who you might know from uh, this is this is the problem. You get my brain going and I'll find all the connections. She Tell me. With, Tell me. With uh, Marty Noxon, who used to write a lot of old Buffy and Angel and all of that. Before. Yeah flopped over to uh mad men and unreal she did the one that not the suitcase it's it's the one where uh they all take lsd oh <laughs> shit i cannot remember the name of that episode but it, that's the one that she wrote with yeah uh, yeah Which, the one, and that's the one where roger breaks up with his wife yes during that yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah that was a yeah. good one this this writer it makes sense that she kind of linked up with someone who worked in that and they was working on that like it's it's no accident that her first writing job was supernatural like she knew exactly right. how to like edge her way in so kudos right to her. right right you go miss Catherine <laughs> let's see what other notes I have in here I don't know how deep into the episode discussion we're getting here but if we're talking about those last eight minutes just speaking as someone who plays a per week I would average between six to eight hours of Rainbow Six Siege if some you know crossroads demon tries to power struggle between me and my family I also cold cock it and pull the trigger w- with no hesitation so I gotta, oh, res- yeah. I gotta respect Sam for dead eyeing the shot first yeah. off and second off like the moment he realized it was some type of like game or power struggle to be like I'm not playing and like right tapped her out now like yeah. i don't know how many of those bullets you got there bud i don't know if that like economically it was the sound choice but in like the take no shit situation like i appreciated that this is a time where they're becoming more assertive in how they deal with the forces working against them they're not as reactive they're taking more control and this is like a change like he yeah. would he probably would not have shot the crossroads demon <laughs> had he not been already because he's he's already been like rezzed once he's been rezzed like yeah. I, i'm not sure like pre-rezzed him would have like trigger pulled the crossroads demon but like where he is now i'm like yeah i can i can see it going down yeah 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 no insightful because that's what we're wondering in that moment we're like oh shit did he come back wrong but (laughs) also you're just like no that's just what you do that's just what you do that's how you behave when some crazy demon is like la 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 manipulating you right now no you shoot them (laughs) yeah you you just put a line in that sand again like if if sam wants to link up and play a five stack of siege he's he's welcome to i'll bring it (laughs) oh yeah He has a good good KDA so far. My God, he won the Hunger Games of Special Children. So, (laughs) yeah, there you go, (laughs) there you go. Actually, no, technically he lost. Oh, you're right. Rip. (laughs) He has a quick respawn, bounce back. (laughs) Low downtime with Sam. Wow. No. Love all this gamer talk. No character like I, video games are like the ultimate of like disposable. Like someone dies, it's whatever they respawn. But yeah. like I, I have to admit that in Supernatural, even if like a character gets like murdered or dies, they're not so disposable to the narrative. Like even though I know this Crossroads demon got owned, I know this is not the end of this. I know that this like <laughs> right. there's way more like built behind it. Like the story will keep moving even if that version of that character no longer exists. Like. 
they hint at uh, one of the bigger bads at the end of the episode. Yeah. But they don't do it by like name, but like that's still there. Like I can see that there's a lot of like that kind of thing I'm talking about. Like even if the they blow away this this crossroads demon, the character itself is not disposable because there's still plot that is being delivered through them. And there's still like, yeah. again, like it's such a tightly written show that I kind of agree. Like how did they pass five seasons? Because <laughs> they like know exactly what they were edging towards. Like, yeah, yeah I, I feel for Kripke at this exact moment of the show <laughs> a little bit a little yeah, bit. a little a little a little a little bit i mean i could definitely speak to that i think like just at the point they ended it like it was easy to move on and it was lucrative to move on be- with it because it was so popular and controversial take fucking glad kripke left <laughs> yeah like, that's the thing like, like if you run out of story huge... you need someone else yeah, yeah 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 well it also needed like a huge change in like the vibe and the dynamic like he had certain goals good for him they needed to go away <laughs> if the show was going to continue yeah so it did. worked it worked out you can't just like, yeah, th- this is the thing, like, you need to have like more than just like monster of the week style, like, I mean, it's fun to have these monster of the week style episodes, but they have to sure. be more than like distractions. They they can't be like, or even like allegories. I think allegories, sometimes it leans a little too hard. Like that kind of stuff seems to like reek of his writing. And then they just, the moment he's gone, it seems like the show is able to like truly creatively express itself in like yes. new ways because it's oh, not yeah. held back by like those writing techniques, or at least the ones that jumped out at me the most. I don't know. I have, I have like media brain on this. So no, that, that's, most want, of my that's what we want. That's, that's what we want. <laughs> That's most of that's most of my notes though. Is just like I could see okay. where the writing was going. I could see like the the strengths of this Catherine Humphreys who came in and like basically beasted this whole episode. The fact that we get a character moment where we like have a like almost like tearful reconciliation of like father daughter. Like yeah. we get that in an episode that also has like the three little pigs getting fucking owned at a job site. <laughs> that that rocks. <laughs> That, that owns that's like writing mastery is being able to, to float <laughs> both both situations with like real emotional honesty and like yeah christopher cousins is also like a good enough actor like he played the dad he's also a good yeah. enough actor that like he can carry that scene so yeah absolutely well if that was all that you have for us then that's about, yeah. yeah i guess we'll release you back into the wild Thank you so much for taking the time to prep for this episode and for joining us. And it's just been so lovely to have an additional person here, especially you, my dear, dear friend. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, um, thank you, Ben. It was a treat. It was fun to discuss it with all of you, giving me more perspective on it. Because again, like my media brain never shuts off. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. thank you all so i initially really didn't like this cold open but then when i went back and watched it again i was like wait this rocks (laughs) (laughs) i think i just wasn't like fully paying attention when i made my like synopsis notes or whatever you know but there's like the once upon a time billboard with the like shimmery chimey music and they're arguing about building materials and i'm like what the fuck like it's so campy it's so ridiculous that blood splatter oh that fucking kills me i love it oh my gosh the one that looks like they just shot blood out of a cannon it's a perfect circle yeah 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 just like shooting directly onto the paper i love it 
So it's one Perfect. of my favorite cold opens. I thought really? it was awesome. I loved it. Well, I just like that we don't get a lot of cold opens where they're like directly going for something. And the way that they set it up, like the use of the fairy tale, starting with the three little pigs and there being a recurring villain that appears in other fairy tales that we can draw from, I thought was kind of a clever way to set up like this particular oh, cold open. Yeah, to set up like a future action sequence slash conflict in, yes. in the episode itself. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that in particular. I thought we got a good fake out where it could have been a hellhouse. Like I really like that the oh, opening werewolf. was so similar. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, because you didn't know what it was at first, and it could be like the hellhounds coming for this guy. So like yeah. you don't know what's going on. Um, but I love the campiness of it and how it just ties in slightly with a monster and like idea they're facing this entire season. Right, right, for sure. Right after that, we're like jumping out the gate with like this huge yelling argument yes. between Sam and Dean. And I love that because like in all the previous episodes, pretty much in the season so far, Sam's been like kind of indulgent, irritated, but sort of just like, you know, whatever, we'll figure it out and you can just be annoying, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> but they're like going at it. Yeah, this was the first time we've had a scene like this. Like, that's not them, like, actively in danger. It's, like, where they're just, the stakes are all emotional. Right. And I thought that was really good. Also, I like that we've kind of gone from, like, this build of, like, things have kind of been between the lines, or they're kind of been teetering of, like, how to talk to each other. Yeah. This is, like, no holds bar. We're going for it. It was really good. Yeah. I love the fact that Sam is like, you're not dad. Yeah. And like, yeah, fucking Ben with his his dad counter. Or like, yeah, the actions of John still follow them all the time. Yeah. But it's like great to have that in there, not only because it reminds us of like Dean being hypocritical, but it encourages us to remember that Sam and Dean are supposed to be equals in their relationship. And yeah. that after all of season two happened, like we should see them as equals, but Dean's being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I also like in this episode, I feel like sometimes they put in like four different fights between the boys where it's mm-hmm. not necessary. Like this was one big blow up, everything that needed said at the start of the episode out. And then they didn't have to redo this fight. Yes, I yeah. agree. It was nice. I will say it. when he was like, you're not dad. I'm like, but Dean is dad. But Dean is not dad. But dad is God. <laughs> <laughs> but dad is the jacket. But dad is the devil. <laughs> but dad is the devil. <laughs> I like, I want them to like just really bring the John metaphors as far as they can. I just want to be like, John is a vase. John is a tree. <laughs> like, <laughs> how many things can we make John in this series? A lot. Yeah. Everything. A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of fashion remarks this episode, but I do want to say that like Sam's FBI looks were looking way more fresh this episode mm-hmm. than they have been in past ones. And his hair is a lot less Meg Ryan. So shout out to hair and makeup. <laughs> Jared looked very cute. 
I will say one thing about makeup. The use of concealer was insane in this episode, though. <laughs> there were times when the lights were on their face that, mm-hmm. like, literally, I thought they were doing the yellow eye demon things again with illuminating the eyes. But I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no. They just, like, over-concealed under their eyes on some of the actors, especially Jared. Ooh, babe's having some late nights. Yeah. <laughs> They just mm-hmm. ran out of foundation and used concealer for the entire face. Like, horrible. As far as like emotional beats of the episode, since you were talking, Allie, about how they get their fight out of the way at the beginning and we don't really have to revisit it. I do think, though, when they do revisit these sort of overarching emotional moments, and I am bringing this up now because one of them happens during this scene where they're talking to the remaining of the three little pigs, the construction. They're not even construction. They're like, I don't know. They own the company or whatever. And when they're talking to this guy and he's like, you know, what would you, how would you feel? My brothers are dead. And Sam's like, I can't imagine anything worse. (laughs) (laughs) We revisit. It's like they revisit the tension and the topic without having to revisit another fight. Because sometimes we get a weird amount of fights in one episode. I agree that they do revisit the tension stuff, but they also did smack us over the head with it, like in that. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it was just something about like the delivery of the line or just the, the line itself. Like, I don't mind like. I don't know. Maybe if Sam just hadn't said anything. Hadn't responded, yeah. And then they just sort of like left it floating in the air. I think the complicated facial expressions on Dean and then him being like, well, moving right along. Well, the thing <laughs> That worked too, well, yeah. but why not like have them both do that instead of being like, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you understand what's happening emotionally? <laughs> well, and it's crazy because a minute earlier, the episode proved that the writing is capable of going there because like when Sam and Dean found out that it might be a werewolf that's attacking people, like the acting in Sam's face, like the discomfort yeah. and like us having known that like he has some trauma revolved around werewolves was right. really between the lines. Like you may not have picked up on that if you hadn't seen that episode. Right. Yeah. And why couldn't we that's get that true. nuance here? Yeah, there is just like some inconsistency in that regard. And, and I think in an episode where most of it is like this sort of high camp monster of the week stuff, not just normal monster of the week, but it's campy as shit. Yeah. Like this is some Buffy season one kind of yeah. crap, you know, like I was waiting for the praying mantis teacher to come like eat the virgins or whatever. Like <laughs> out of all of these fairy tale projection thingies that the, that the girl does the Hansel and Gretel one is hands down my favorite I fucking love this shit I'm obsessed the granny is so fucking psycho and they don't even try and make it look real when she's like carving the guy <laughs> up that's my favorite part she's just like <laughs> like gleefully yeah. stabbing the air <laughs> above him it's so ridiculous I don't remember why, but in my so notes, fun. I wrote diarrhea pie. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she poisoned the pie. <laughs> oh, yeah. She poisoned the pie. And they were all like holding on to their stomachs going like, oh, oh. I'm like, she's carving them up <laughs> while they shit in their pants. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, because they weren't like like choking yeah. or like, gagging for air or anything. They were like doing the IBS cramps. Yeah. That kind of move. I was like, that's not going to be very good meat. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
I'm really excited from this episode in general for the future of the show to see how, because like some of these fairy tales have to exist within 15 seasons of Supernatural. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how this episode compares. Like I guarantee we'll see Hansel and Gretel, like the witch as a villain at some point in the series. So I'm excited to see how they do that compared to this episode. Yeah, like when there's lore surrounding something similar to this kind of story, but it's treated seriously instead of like in a campy way. Yeah. You mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. It was so fun that they had the excuse of like, this is all from a little girl. So they could go balls to the walls camp. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like we need more fun episodes like this. Yeah. Well, and I think there are more, especially I think in like season five, there's a season five is my favorite. Yes. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah, there's a reason why season five is one of the standout seasons. I think it just has a really good balance of like humor to seriousness and overarching plot stuff. And I, I three, I think, is when it starts to get into a good rhythm with that. But but, you know, it, it's it was cut short for good reasons, for good reasons. And it worked mm-hmm. out. It all worked out really well in the end. So I have a question. Yeah. Is Dr. Garrison the only fucking doctor at this hospital? Right? (laughs) What in the hell? Not only is he the only doctor in this hospital, but he has like time to just go into his daughter's room and like look forlornly upon her for like long hours of the time. I'm like, what is going on in this hospital? Well, he's not just like gazing upon her forlornly. He's taking the time to read fucked up fairy stories to her. (laughs) Like So strange. (laughs) I mean, I guess I can't. You know, I have no experience uh, with having children or having my children die. So I don't know. That probably fucks with you pretty hard. But you'd think he'd be too busy to be doing that, at least in the middle of the day. Yeah. Like he'd probably have times that he was doing it scheduled. I don't know. (laughs) This is like the Twilight universe where there's only one doctor and the doctor has ties to everyone. Oh, yeah. Carlisle. I don't know why I remember his name in particular. Yeah, for real. What the fuck? <laughs> Didn't I, you name I, I said this after Jasper from that? I said this a previous episode, but like my brain is just a repository of garbage information. Like there's nothing good in there. I, like other than I can talk to you for like an hour about my preferred punctuation in a poem. Like other than that, it's all trash. Also, I hope you know I was kidding. I know you wouldn't name yourself after Twilight. Yeah, no, I would. I would not do that. I I mean, like, I was just going to not say anything. We're just going (laughs) to ignore that. But since you're bringing it up, I'm glad. I just wanted to make sure. (laughs) Yeah, I just like the uh, I like I like the rocks. I like eggs. (laughs) (laughs) I like toilets. I like (laughs) toilets. Revealing ourselves as millennials. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. Another stupid, like, one off line I have to highlight the woman who escapes. First of all, I don't believe she has a first name. They just call her Ms. Watson. They're asking her to describe this kid, and she's like, the fuck's it matter for? Which, like, hilarious. I love that she's, like, not afraid to talk back to the apparent FBI. Yeah. Sam's handling of that was very smooth, by the way. Yes. Um, But she's, like, she was a beautiful child. It was odd to see her in the middle of something so horrible. And I'm, like, bitch, you think an ugly child is more <laughs> normal? 
<laughs> like if, if the child had been ugly, you would have been like, oh, that checks out. Like, what the fuck? What is wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just a little pretty uh, privilege strikes again. Yeah. The little the little ugly child descends from the tree branches and crawls to the window <laughs> to watch her shit her pants while her husband gets stabbed. <laughs> what a scene. <laughs> to be fair, I'm pretty sure if there was an ugly child, Sam and Dean would be convinced it was the monster. <laughs> um, they probably would. Absolutely. <clears throat> so then that prompts them to go inspect the place and they do find signs of ghost activity there. And like, like, I love that they have the little I'm explaining, you know, we get the Sam lore line. OK, I do. Mm-hmm. I love those moments. But, like, not only right here does it sound canned, I'm like, but you're wrong. Like, I hate the fact that they're like, oh, grim, grim fairy tales. That's like the folklore of its time. I'm like, no, bitch, no. they were, they had their own folklore. Like, you know, some of those stories are like based off of folk things. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I'm like, it's not like, I don't know. But you, you know what I'm trying to say? Are you trying to say it's time to talk about the lore? Oh, yeah, no, this would be a perfect time for that. So the Grimm's brothers, I have always been obsessed with them. And I am so excited. Plus, they have the most German names in the world. Jakob and Wilhelm. (laughs) They lived in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And they were really influenced by their father's death and the poverty they faced for several years after their father's death. They've made Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Rumpelstiltskin, Rapunzel, Frog Prince, Cinderella, Hansel and Gretel, Pied Piper. Like all of these come from their stories. So like our modern versions are adaptations of theirs. Yeah. To be fair, they didn't create all these ideas. They're often known as folklorists because of where they got the story. One quote I found hilarious. So Wilhelm married this woman who helped them a lot. And there was a quote from Wikipedia that says, Jacob never married, but continued to live in the household, which disappointed them greatly. (laughs) Just to let that brother touch. Wow. Wilhelm married Henriette Sporthea Wilde. She was called Dorchen. And she's from a storytelling family who told folklore, like from the area, they were known for it. And so it was actually her, her mother, and her sisters who provided most of the stories that the boys wrote down. So I think it's so cool. Like, like that's never recognized that while these stories, of course, became popular through the Grimm's brothers, it was because of one of their wives and her family that like we have these stories and that they were shared. That's and, just the way of it. Men take credit for all of women's work. True. And to be fair, these stories were often from medieval stories that were, uh, as we know, like oral history has changed so much in legends and storytelling. But some of them go back to even Boccaccio, some of the stories, which I thought was fascinating. And these have been used throughout time. One of the big things to know is that it was used as propaganda for the Nazis, which I didn't know. Mm. wait yeah explain (laughs) i can't explain much but they use these stories as like what germans should be Mm. starving (laughs) no but like like saying that german heritage is superior look what our ancestors did look how gotcha 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 master storyteller intellectuals exactly 
So that was one thing they were used, but now they're so incredibly common. We often know the updated version, but the old stories are my absolute favorite. If you haven't read any, please do. Like they're all online, but also you can get collections, used books, really cheap. So please check them out. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Very informative. That's what I was, that's what I'm getting at though, is that those are their stories that they wrote down, but they're not the folklore of their time they it's their stories are based on folklore that already existed that's what i was trying to say oh yeah yeah it's not new folklore like right particular to this time but it was the stories that were passed down in like yes 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 i get you well thank you very much for that ali I am now very pleased to know the name of Wilhelm Grimm's wife, the genius behind the man. Durkin. Is always a Dorchin. 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 Oh, we should have a do research count. I think this might be the second time they've said it in the series. No, it has to be more than that. They've said it a few times. Yeah. I don't know. I do love that Dean had to sit and like look at police records for six hours. <laughs> like, man, I, you know, I like to research. I wouldn't like doing that. Yeah, that sounds like no, sir. Hell. It's too bad that the three little pigs at the beginning was not cops. Oh, oh my God. Right. <laughs> that would have been so good. It's not like this this show, at least at this point, is especially pro-cop. Like, you can tell Kripke is sort of like, I don't know about them, you know, or at least with the larger structures of police uh, anyway. But like, they just weren't brave enough to do it. I think it would have been better than being like, look, those guys are fat, (laughs) you know, like that was stupid. I guess it's time to talk about the gay comments. Oh my God. I was <laughs> just going to say now is that we need to talk about the gay line. I have a lot of thoughts about this thing. So the thing that it said is, dude, could you be more gay? And it's in response to Sam knowing the basic plot elements of Cinderella, which I feel are relatively ubiquitous to American culture. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> yes. Tell me your thoughts, Jordan, since you were the one who brought it up initially. Tell me what you're thinking. Oh, oh, I don't even know where to start. There's so much to unpack here. First, knowing about Cinderella is a Dean thing. So I don't know why he's putting (laughs) that on Sam, because that queen knows his fucking Cinderella. That Dean is a Disney gay, and he cannot hide that from me. I know that for a fucking fact. I have him clocked. (laughs) <laughs> so I just am putting that out there for one. Well, like he even proves it a second later when they go into the house. And and this is one of the things I wrote down. He brings up further plot elements of Cinderella after the subject has fucking changed. Yeah. And you can like, com- yeah, he's like, oh, well, let me bring up the fucking fairy godmother now. And like, yeah, he's doing it to make an additional jab at Sam. But he still knew it was there. So like pot kettle. I don't know. Yeah, you could not tell me that Teenage Dean did not sneak into a movie theater to see fucking Beauty and the Beast and that little fruitcake wondered why the Beast got less hot after his transformation. <laughs> I love you. Okay. I love you so much. <laughs> you get me. But what the mostly what I just wanted to unpack is the varying reactions here. I took a current events class my senior year of high school, and we Mm -hmm. specifically had to watch a video of 
latent homosexuality in young people. It was just pretty much like, what do we know about homosexuality in 2007? Weirdly, when this episode was airing. Topical. But it was like about the psychology of it. And it was not about like being gay, but like thoughts surrounding closeted people in particular. And people who call people out for one on being gay, it's usually because they're going through their own type of things. Yeah. And someone who is comfortable in their sexuality is going to have the reaction of Sam, who literally did not give two shits about Dean's comments. He was just like confused why it was getting brought up. Like yeah, his exactly. face was like, um, it's Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, okay. It's like the most obvious projection from Dean, which I kind of love. I know. It's like, Watching this show, I cannot imagine anyone thinking he's straight. I'm just like, straight people just don't bring up gay people out of the blue like that. Like, ever. Like, yeah. They, like, forget about gay people. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it reminded me of, like, one or uh, two things. I'm not sure which I lean more towards. I think you could read it either way because it reminds me, like, of... When gay people jokingly call other people gay. Yeah. I feel like that happens so often, especially if someone brought up Cinderella. Like it would, a a joke someone would make today if they were out and open. Or it definitely reminds me of something going back to the Sam soccer trophy and Dean sawed off shotgun. Like this is something he has gotten quote by quote from his dad. Like it sounds like something that he is just reiterating without thinking. Yeah. Like completely just regurgitating someone else's opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Sam had the support to kind of branch out and find other, other ways of thinking and support and like literally getting out from his dad but d never was able to i also want to say um i think there's some gender stuff going on here too tell me more like just dean's absolute fear of liking or doing anything that is not perceived as traditionally masculine so much to the point to where i'm going to fast forward a couple of minutes in this episode where the only way he could possibly know about snow white is to have quote unquote seen it in a porn version like oh my god the amount of of course i don't know that much about snow white why would i it's just off the charts yeah there's some like major repression going on here i know okay watching the porn of a disney movie sounds really fucking gay too yeah sounds like he's disney because he's a disney gay yes like what street man is going out there like you know what i really want cinderella porn or snow white porn My other, like, huge thoughts about this are, like, you know, besides the whole, like, yeah, because, duh, every gay person likes princess stories, obviously. So dumb. But, like, why are you trying to make everything gay? Yep. Like, it's just Cinderella. I did realize that Snow White, he probably would like the porn version because it is just, like, 12 angry men. 12 hairy little men and then a woman who cleans up after (laughs) makes a lot of sense now shut the fuck up and then like my last thought is a flippant if anything cinderella fits a trans narrative better true that so (laughs) that was me blowing a raspberry 
Yeah. I, I, I just, okay, I want to know what was the thought process behind this line. That's the thing that gets me so much. It's like the one in the inn in season two. It's like, who wrote the, well, <laughs> you are pretty butch. <laughs> and yeah. Dean being like, <laughs> you know, about the overcompensation. Like, the way it's acted on top of it. Like, I just want to know what was going through people's heads. Like, did they really think that that was like, haha, fun gay joke? Like, no, like, really, that just, that just seems gay to me. Yeah. It <laughs> just like, know. sometimes it does just feel like gay friends making fun of each other. Like, am I insane? No, like, am I insane to look at this and be like, this is not a straight person being an asshole? Like, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like, it it doesn't read as straight guy being an asshole to me. Yeah, and I've been, I've been bullied when I was a kid and harassed as an adult about being a gay. So, like, I know what that looks and sounds like. <laughs> it's like I was at summer school and there was this homophobic guy that he was like, oh, I would be a bear and like, blah, 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 and kept going on and on. And I'm like, okay, like, you know a lot about this. <laughs> there, there's something going on. <laughs> oh, man. Not that all homophobes are closeted. Sometimes they're just assholes, oh, but they no, might be. True. But it's it's the tone of it and the kind of things they say yes. and bring up, I think. Agreed. Also, I think Sam could stand to be more gay, just as an aside. I think he could. Yeah. I think he could. Like, obviously, he's he's like a, well, to me anyway, he's like a more comfortable with his identity kind of bisexual. Like, he went to college and took a gender studies class. Like, <laughs> he's okay with it. Something, something about rebelling against his crazy ass, hyper masculine dad. I don't know. But anyway, he could still stand to be more gay. Everyone could. I could. Yes. I could get gayer. You never know. This isn't even my final four. <laughs> I'm really glad that the first thing that Ben brought up was Callie looking like fucking gorgeous. Like yes. what? She had yeah. no right to be looking so like glowy and perfect in her little coma bed. Like what the fuck? I literally thought it was going to be a plot beat because she was so beautiful. I'm like, oh, is she like using these fairy tales to like suck the souls out of people to maintain her like youthfulness and not See, that would have been sick as fuck. Yeah. That would have been awesome. But, but no, know. she's just a girl in a coma has been yassified. Okay, but this reminds me of my mom because she has trained us since we were like three years old by saying, if I was ever in a coma, what's the one thing you have to do every day? And we'd repeat as children and go, brush your eyebrows. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> eyebrows? <laughs> and I know this was a kid, but I hope this kid like had some inkling of what would happen and was like, but do the frosty lipstick every day. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness for as obnoxious as the whole like he's the only doctor in the hospital and like everything with that is kind of hammy for all of that going on i do feel kind of bad for dr garrison not just i mean obviously like the 
thing with his daughters sad but also now he's got these two random dudes like harassing him about his comatose daughter and like the thing that really got me the most was like all the information they ask him about her or like you know and his wife and all this stuff they easily could have gotten that from the nurse who was already like she was so happy to gossip about that she was like oh my god someone knew i can tell (laughs) she was like oh it's so sad callie she's been in a coma since she was eight years old oh my god i just feel so bad for dr garrison <laughs> like she would have told them anything, anything. about that like they, they didn't need to <laughs> didn't need to harass this him man. yeah poor dude like come on leave him yeah. alone they just don't have any fucking boundaries <laughs> an evil part of me was like that door doesn't seem locked and they just like go in there and pull the damn plug when no one's around and leave town oh my lord no because like <laughs> then they'd have to wait for the funeral because the spirit would still be around this might be jumping ahead a little bit too but then like for it. they're like okay you do something about the ghost dean to sam and sam was immediately like let's just dump all of this on her dad <laughs> oh like, my god that was his immediate plan yeah a good thing they didn't assign him the skeptical man of science trope true and he was just like oh you're right (laughs) said he did like a soap opera turn and he was like you've seen her too (laughs) i loved it honestly i wasn't expecting the first time i saw it that's not where i was expecting it to go so i was like oh neat because usually you know the person is like not receptive at first yeah Okay, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to like backtrack because this is kind of mm-hmm. on the same topic as like the Cinderella thing with Dean. But you know, they have that like blip where he's he's trying to do the sixth sense reference, and Sam is like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Which, like, first off, bitch, who has not seen fucking sixth sense? Everyone saw that movie. Yeah. Okay. So just putting that out there. But it's Dean has this line, you know, fairy tales, I know movies. And I'm like, the idea that Dean wouldn't know as much about fairy tales, which again, I mentioned are really fucking ubiquitous in American culture is like Mm -hmm. pretty unbelievable to me, especially being that they're a hunter family. And I'm like, they hunt fucking monsters like you know half the like legends they come across as we were discussing earlier have been transformed into modern retellings of these same fucking stories so like you know the the idea that he wouldn't have studied it as much as like sam is just like i cannot suspend my disbelief for that and i mean like even take for example in this goddamn episode fucking red riding hood and the and the wolf that's that's a fucking werewolf story yep that's a werewolf story i'm like come on like y'all yeah. <laughs> and i feel bad because like yeah go miss Catherine, and like you know ben was gassing her up or whatever but man there's so many lines of dialogue in this episode i'm like oh you sure <laughs> no absolutely i think because of that exact reason there were just some parts of this episode that just really left me not knowing how to feel right about yeah totally as a whole yeah 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 especially okay. like i know we had mentioned earlier too about there was like one big fight i would almost to be more okay 
with like this whole I don't know thing and the constant teasing of Sam for knowing this if maybe there was a little more tension between Sam and Dean and maybe they're just trying to get under each other's skin but tension does fall off yeah 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 Yeah. no that's a good point like if the the bickering was a little more barbed a little less playful but about the same topics yeah have to know what the fuck is up when just this apple is left over after the girl disappears where (laughs) the fuck did it come from is this a power of hers like what the actual fuck is happening (laughs) yeah i think they establish in um season one that it's like actually pretty hard as a ghost to like manifest things or move things that are physical and like granted you know, she. we don't know how long she's been a spirit for. She's only just now starting to go crazy cuckoo bananas. But damn, she materialized the whole ass apple. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like, like a nice one. Why? Well, I thought why? it was, I kind of also hated that moment a little bit because I was like, we get it. Her her story was akin to Snow White. Snow White. Like she was fed the poisonous apple and by poisonous apple, she was forced at bleach, a little morbid but I like that it went there. We didn't need to get smacked over the head with that fucking apple. No, yeah, I totally agree. It's like the emotional beat earlier with with Sam. It's just a lot on top Mm -hmm. of all the other visual and verbal cues we have about Snow White. It's too much. I think what makes me let go of the apple is just the camp. Yes. Like the whole rest of the scene is already so campy. I'm willing to just be like, what, whatever. Like for me, that's a hand wave. And like, like Sam across the street, seeing like a two inch mouse by a pumpkin. Like I'm willing to let it go (laughs) because it's just so fucking absurd. The whole episode already. But yeah, yeah. It's still like when you put it all together, it's kind of, oh, I don't know, man. Why do you think I'm dumb? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I'm familiar with Snow White. (laughs) I have seen the porn version, you know. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, does Snow White shit an apple in the porn version too? It's what they're using as a butt plug. Yeah, it's the apple. With the stem, with the leaf on it, poking out. (laughs) No, it doesn't get lost. You can pull it out easy. It's It's not safe. It's not safe if you don't have something to, like, grab onto to pull it out with. Yes, because that is the part of questioning. (laughs) It's organic matter. It's just a fruit, Allie. I was going to ask you both. I was so confused in this scene when the daughter moves on and the father is, you know, convincing her to move on. His eyes are lit up like the yellow eyed demons. Like they literally have a spotlight on his eyes. I don't know if that was an accident. So it's like, what are they trying to say here? I didn't notice it. I think maybe they were just trying to be like, he is an actor. And he is acting with his eyes (laughs) to convey emotions. Kind of like that scene in Bad Day at Black Rock when they had the light on Dean's face when he was like, I can read people (laughs) or whatever. Oh, goodness. This show sometimes. I know. (laughs) It worked. I I will say it worked for that episode because that episode was fucking off the wall as well. So. I want to um, talk about the full moon transition. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. I was just like, why? But I also liked it, but why? Fair. Once you <laughs> That's talk all I about had to it, say. it was just like, why? 
That's well, all okay, I have. They, did, they did show the full moon at the very beginning. So maybe they were just like, you know, this closes out the episode or whatever. Yeah. So, but I don't fucking know, dude. I didn't even I didn't even fucking notice, really. I was like, oh, yeah, full moon. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> it was just like into the hotel room. I was just like, what is this episode? What are they going for? A lot. Just throwing this out there, what the fuck happens to the big bad wolf guy who has like all of his genetic material and shit and like can be identified by both the old lady and the engineer dude as an attacker, but he doesn't know what the fuck was going on because he was under some sort of weird spirit coma girl curse. Yeah, like, was he a bad person? Does he go to jail for the rest of his life? Like, just because he has a tattoo. Oh, no, I'm not in the habit of saying we should send people to prison for bad mm-hmm. tattoos. Exactly. Just, just personally. Like, um, this guy's life is just fucked. And Sam and Dean are like, okay, bye. Yeah, they don't even think about it. They're just like, all right, see ya. Let me talk about the scene before Sam goes to the crossroads demon. It's before the moon, even. Um, oh, it is before, before, the, before the moon. Or maybe it's directly after. I don't know. Whatever. So you did whatever, notice whatever. the moon. Shut the fuck up. I'm just thinking about the moon now because you pointed it out. So they have Sam be like, is that what you want? Let me just let go. It's so obnoxious. And then and then on top of that, they draw attention to it again by having Dean walk away down a dark hallway and Sam just looks after him. I'm like, girly, you got to pick one. This is too much. You know, I just like this is a less is more kind of deal. Like we already saw, we know we're drawing the conclusions from what other people are saying. We can see how things are related and everyone's having a lot of emotions. Like you don't need to hit us over the head with it like that. I don't know. I was just like, come on. This was my opinion. The worst part of the entire episode. I fucking hated it. (laughs) Oh, that one scene. That one scene. Well, because like we had like we were making something happen here. Like we have the story of grief and like a death that is out of our control, much akin to Dean and Sam. We have to learn to accept. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind that Sam is still being presented with this, getting to see this story play out for someone else where he helped that person to accept it him still not being able to accept it. I think that is totally good, but you don't, yeah, you don't need to smack us in the face with it. Right. We're going to be missing teeth soon. Like (laughs) the amount of like smacking over the head in this episode. By the time they're done hitting me, I'm going to have lost enough brain cells that they need to keep hitting me me (laughs) to get it. You know what I mean? I guess that's their plan. What was it? Ben said brain off eyes open. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) we talked about the demon deal a little bit with ben but i just want to make a note real quick of the things we learned here Mm -hmm. we learned that other demons do not like ruby they do not like her they know who she is and they don't like her sam doesn't really deny he feels trapped by dean does that mean he wants dean to die no of course not but he does feel trapped there is a demon higher up on the food chain that we're worried about and then the last thing is that Sam kills that demon out of spite, just out of pettiness, really. Just He's just mad about it. Yeah. So, I mean, once again, as he should, honestly, 
but he doesn't seem really remorseful about it, um, about the loss of human life like he was in the previous episode. So we're left again with that lingering sense of like, ooh, what the... But this time they don't draw attention to it so we can actually think about it a little bit. Yeah. Which is good. I completely agree. I also like that this scene was like total whiplash from the rest of the episode too. It felt like it was from a different episode and in my mind I almost was like, wait, was this in this episode? Yes, right. Yeah. 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 In that sense, I didn't particularly care for it. I would rather not have this kind of emotional whiplash, um, which is why I didn't care for specifically pointing at the emotional beats in the episode because it broke up the campiness uh, a a little weirdly for me. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know what I would have done or suggested to do in order to mitigate that. And I obviously I can't give the suggestion yet because I haven't seen the next episode, but this would have been a really cool cold open. I agree. I mean, I do. I love I love when the cold open is just something that they're doing or something that's happening to them. But I am glad that we did move the plot along a little bit in this episode because I was not expecting that. And it's not something Supernatural is particularly great at. So season three so far, it's keeping the train moving. That's exciting. Yeah, you know, despite the fact that, again, a little bit of whiplash, at least we're being reminded. At least they're like, okay, remember the plot, guys? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, her death scene is weirdly long, the demon in this. So it almost looks like the cult isn't working. Like, it takes the full minute for her to get the jolts out and die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they gave her a very long, she was like, I don't know what she she was like trying to pop her titties out a little bit like yeah put some club music in the background yeah 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 well I think that means it's time for the fanfic (laughs) if you guys are ready I'm ready okay I went way out of my way to get something (gasps) that has not had barely any attention this time I'm excited (laughs) I love to pick small time writers and works in progress if I can. Today's fic is called Playing with Magic by AO3 user Nickel Keep. So the summary of this fic is the members of Team Free Will are called upon to investigate multiple disappearances in Acadia National Park. It doesn't seem like something they normally look into until the mention of a witness who swears on his life that his friend was abducted by dozens of tiny balls of light. So this fic only has two chapters. It has not been updated in a minute, just since October. So hopefully this is still going on because I love some of the tags I'm seeing here. It is rated M. The relationships are Destiel, but mostly Samwina. I love Samwina. We love Samwich. We love it. Additional tags are canon compliant, pre-relationship, team free will, helpful Rowena, flirty Rowena, case fic, fan fairies, body horror, one of my favorite tags, (laughs) because I'm gross. (laughs) Dark fairy tale elements, major character injury, missing person, sealy court, unsealy court, sealy magic, unsealy magic, hurt comfort, angst and hurt comfort, eventual happy ending. And this only has 158 hits, y'all. Like, what the fuck? Go, go give this, give this some love. Yeah, it's important. I love this idea is so cool, though. I just love the idea of seeing the cast, especially 
pretty sure Rowena is a witch. That's yeah. where the sandwich thing comes from. So just the idea of like using her as like a catalyst to navigate through this new territory. But yeah. like, I know we've seen the boys travel all over America. Why not travel to another realm? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Allie is like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but other realms and times, those are the two that like stress me the fuck out. I love really? time travel. Ooh, love me some time travel. No, thank you. I I will say though, I only like it for stuff where in the canon there's already existing time travel. Like if there isn't canon time travel and like alternate realities or whatever. I'm way less likely to be interested in seeing that in, in fanfic. So Supernatural is just perfect for me because I can read anything and be like, oh, yes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Plus, yes. Like, literally anything is fucking plausible in this universe. If oh, really yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. I'm going to start having some bizarro episode <laughs> predictions eventually. Oh, my God. I can't wait. They're going to get weird. <laughs> So Jordan, what did you think of this episode? So what I thought of this episode was a little mixed because I had a good time. I ate my popcorn. It's just the idea was there. They managed to keep it fun. They had a good consistent tone for the most part. I'm going to give it a three though, because of the one thing that we always complain about. And it's just the drilling that theme into our head. So a three 3.5. 3.5 out of 5 mice by the pumpkin. What about you, Allie? What did you think? I thought this was a fun episode, but I agree. It's not like perfect by any means. And I think it's just missing a little something like the camp is so good, but cohesion not fully there. So I'm going to give it a 4.25 cannon blood splats. Incredible. What about you, Jasper? I'm going to rate this one the lowest, I think. I feel like my intelligence was extremely insulted by this episode. And I feel like someone in the writer's room doesn't understand how to bully gay people (laughs) and was trying to be homophobic and failed. So (laughs) I don't know what to think about that. But I'm going to give this a three out of five poisoned pies. Just on account of the same the same basic things that y'all are saying, uh, just the lack of cohesion, the sort of emotional whiplash. It's just, you know, the parts I really liked, I really liked. And then when they were like, hey, do you remember that Dean's going to die and Sam's upset about that fact? I was like, oh, man, yeah. don't treat me like I'm dumb, bro. Ugh. I don't like it. <laughs> so, yeah, Jordan, what? Ooh. Do you think is happening next episode? Okay. I'm really hoping. I know this is a short season. I'm going to guess Bella does not make it through this season. Is that her name? Bella? Yes. Bella Talbot, the thief. Ed- yeah. yeah. Bella, Edward, Dakota Fanning. Shut, um, shut up. <laughs> we see. already talked about Jasper and Carlisle. This episode. <laughs> oh, what yeah. is going on on our OTRS? Ooh, maybe we're going to get vampires soon. All this Ooh. Twilight talk. <laughs> We've already had them twice. Why not a third time? Three for season three. <laughs> so what I'm going to guess is we're going to have a Bella episode because we're running out of time. So we need to start moving the plot towards her a little bit. I guess we're probably going to figure out what her deal is. And I think this time the boys are going to have to work alongside her instead of against her, but they're going to get double crossed. 
And I'm going to guess her and Ruby have some kind of beef because girls aren't allowed to like each other. Absolutely so. not. Absolutely not. And Bella and Ruby are going to work together to summon Netflix's Lucifer. <laughs> Tom Ellis appears and yes, starts Tom Ellis. playing the piano. <laughs> plays like a Billy Joel song or whatever shit he always plays at his club. Yeah. Oh, my God. But it has to be like the season four version where he comes back and you're like, wait, is he like really ripped? Am I like, making that up? <laughs> yeah. Weirdly ripped. Oh, God. It's like, oh, we're all jamming to these club bangers. Oh, wait, we all got to take a break and listen to really buff Tom Ellis sing <laughs> piano, man. <laughs> oh, that's man, it. That's all I got. <laughs> yes. Okay. 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 Cool. I'm excited for that. I'm excited. I'm excited for this Bella Ruby beef to happen. Yes. Bella Ruby beef. Bella Ruby yes. beef. Sorry. I- it, it felt good to say. Mm. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Sea Pines, Massachusetts. Bye. Bye. Bye.